You know, last week we began a series for Lent called Why Jesus? Looking at why Jesus is unique. Looking at what sets Jesus apart from every person that has ever walked the earth. But in our journey, there's potential for great discovery as we study who Jesus is. But sometimes journeys don't always end up the way we would like. We can start out excited for adventure and the things that we might learn along the way. But sometimes it doesn't always turn out the way we like. Have you ever taken a road trip with a kid? You start out, you're so excited, everyone go to the bathroom, it's going to be a while. We're going to go Disney World. You know, we used to drive from Virginia. It was a 13-hour drive down from Virginia to four kids in a minivan going to Disney World. And we would be so excited to head down to embark on that journey. Inevitably, every single time, 20 minutes in, I got to pee. I got to go. Oh, my goodness. Didn't you go in the house? Oh, I forgot. Was I supposed to? And sometimes journeys happen that way. We start out all excited, and then one roadblock, one speed bump, one thing after another, and we get a little disillusioned. And so as we journey our way towards discovering more about Jesus, it's going to be exciting. And as followers of Christ, we want to learn more about him. We want to learn more so we can be an example of his attitudes and his behaviors for others. But it might scare us a little bit along the way. The more that we learn about Jesus, the more we're going to learn about ourselves too. The more that we learn about Jesus, the more we will love him. But as we look to how Jesus lived, we're going to see how far short we are in living up to his standard and his example. And that might scare us because we might think we're doing pretty well. It may disappoint us, but I pray that it challenges us and lights a fire within us that Satan himself can't put out. See, in our study of Jesus last week, we saw evidence that Jesus was and is God. As the religious leaders asked where Jesus got the power to perform miracles and the wisdom to say the things he said, the evidence was right before them. Jesus is God in the flesh, and yet they chose to deny it. In our text this evening, they look for another reason to deny that Jesus is God in the flesh. Because surely a godly man would never hang out in ungodly places. Surely a godly man would never hang out with such ungodly people. Interestingly, it was the so-called godly places that Jesus often found to be objectionable. Wasn't it in the synagogue where he turned the tables over? And it was the so-called godly people that Jesus challenged to look deeper inside themselves, to search their heart and their motivations. In chapter 8 of Matthew, we find a collection of miracle stories that demonstrate that Jesus is the Messiah. 
and that he works by God's power. They also emphasize that Jesus is committed to finding and restoring those who are lost and those who are broken. Immediately before the call of Matthew, Jesus heals a paralytic man. But before he heals him physically, he heals him spiritually, saying that his sins are forgiven. It is this peace that the religious leaders find offensive. Not the fact that the paralyzed man just got up and walked home. They ignored it. They were offended because he claimed power to forgive sins. Never mind the power that they just witnessed to raise a man who couldn't walk to walk. The next part of our text shows the religious leaders offended again. It begins with Jesus seeing Matthew. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. He called Simon and Andrew in fourth chapter of Matthew the same way. Come and follow me. But the call for them was just a little bit different. They were fishermen. Being a fisherman was an honorable profession. Not tax collecting. Tax collectors were some of the most hated people in town. You see, the Roman government would contract with the local people to collect taxes. And then sometimes these tax collectors, they would extort excess taxes that they could then put in their own pocket. They were enriching themselves at the expense of their fellow citizens. Sounds a little like today's politicians, doesn't it? The tax collectors were held in great contempt. They were barred from going into the synagogues. They were considered the moral equivalent of robbers and murderers. In this, this is who Jesus just said, Come and follow me and be my disciple. It gets better. First, Matthew responds. Matthew gets up and follows him. It doesn't say that Matthew had to stop and think it over or that Matthew needed to wait for the right moment. Oh, you know, Jesus, I'm not ready. I I think I need to process this. No. Matthew responds immediately because he understood his brokenness. His heart was ready to change. While everyone else was rejecting him, Jesus met him right where he was and invited him into a relationship. Jesus didn't point a finger at him in judgment. If only you were wearing the right clothes, Matthew, well, then you could come and follow me. If only you had the right job, Matthew. Well, then, you know, you could come and follow me. You know, if you only had more education, if you were just a little smarter, Matthew, then you could come and follow me. 
No, Jesus didn't try to change Matthew. He met him and loved him right where he was at. He let him know you matter, Matthew. I have a better way for you to live. Come and follow me. So often in the church, we're so focused on winning souls for Jesus that we think it's our job to clean them up. But we clean them up to our standards and our expectations, not Jesus. I can't tell you how many stories I've heard from people that set foot in a church just one time. And they never went back because of the way they were treated. These people went in looking for hope. They were going into a church looking for someone to notice them and say, I see you, you matter. Just like Jesus did with Matthew. And instead, they were criticized for the clothes they were wearing, for the places that they sat. You know, I actually heard a story one time. A woman had gone into a church she was visiting in another town, and she had gone to a a church on a Sunday morning, and she went in. First, they said, you're wearing that? You're going to come in here wearing that? And then when she sat down, someone came up to her and said, that's my seat. You're in my seat. Wow! How far we've gone from Jesus saying, come and follow me. People want to know they matter. If they're coming through the doors of a church, we should be wrapping our arms around them and saying, welcome home. We've been waiting for you. Because that's what Jesus does. We need to let this sink in. Jesus called one of the most hated men in the village to be his disciple without any pre-qualifications. He simply said, come and follow me. Our job with others is to say, come, join us. We're going to see the king of kings. Come with us. You won't believe how wonderful he is. That's our job. The same people that Jesus sought after, we tend to hide from. We tend to dismiss them. But Jesus had a habit of seeking out the social outcasts, the unlovable. And he hung out with them. He broke bread with them. His 12 disciples were a ragamuffin kind of group. They were tax collectors, they were thieves, they were fishermen, and they were traders. They were just the local nobodies as far as the world was concerned. But Jesus picked them. Our text continues. One of the first things Matthew does in his excitement of being called by Jesus is he invites him over for a feast. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Matthew's friends were people just like him. They were tax collectors, and they were sinners, and other riffraff. 
And the religious leaders found it offensive. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? Wow, I wouldn't say that, Pastor. That's pretty harsh. What a terrible thing to say about another person. Call them scum. What a terrible thing to say. You know, that word may not cross our lips, but the thought often forms up here. The judgment is up here, even if it doesn't cross our lips. Day in and day out, we make judgments of other people. We judge people by their clothes. We judge people by the car they drive, by their hair, by their driving. How often do you drive by someone, you think, oh, they're a terrible driver, and you're tired, they're going 10 miles an hour, and you want to go 30, and so you pull out around them, and as you pass, you look in. What does a slow driver look like? Wow, lady, you are a slow driver. I just had to see what you look like because you were just causing me stress. Right? That's a judgment. That's a judgment. We do it all the time. Yes, I know. Some of you are laughing. I do it too. I've done it. I'm guilty of it. But we judge people day in and day out. Just some of it we, we laugh about and we think it's acceptable. Is it? Is that what Jesus would do? The point here is that we're no different than the Pharisees in this text. They were making judgments of people, and Jesus chastises them for it. We do the same thing. We make judgments that we have no business making about others. I have a short little video clip I want you to watch. Oh. oh, oh, thank you. Thank you, sir. Oh. You okay? Yeah, yeah. Can you help him out? Oh, yeah. Oh, thank you, thank you. Oh, man. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. You okay, sir? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Oh, thank you. Oh man, just right over that sidewalk. Right. Oh. oh! Yeah, thank you, thank you. Oh. oh, thank you, I appreciate that.
break our hearts. Do you know, I've watched this video 10 times because I, I cried every time. I said, Lord, I can't show the video if I can't talk after. And I cried again. And I'll tell you, as I was deciding whether to use this video, I was praying about it. I said, Lord, should I use that video? I don't know. It's, it's a hard one to watch. And then Wednesday night, we were going out to dinner. We went to a local restaurant. And we got up to the front of the restaurant, and there was a gentleman sitting on a bench off to the side of the restaurant. And I was watching him, and he was just sitting there quietly, minding his own business. And people were just walking by and walking by. And I could hear God saying, go talk to him. Go say hi. And so I did. I went up. I said, hi, how are you? And he backed up a little. You know, he, he said, I'm okay, ma'am, but I'm not, I don't want to cause trouble. I'm okay. I don't, you know, I don't need anything. You know, I don't want to cause you any harm or trouble or, you know, I'm not trying to be a problem. And I said, it's okay. I said, how are you doing? And so we started talking. And then his face lit up. And he said, you know, he said, I've been sitting here for a while. You're the first person to say hi to me. He said, and you didn't just smile at me. You stayed and you talked. You asked me how I was doing. And then as we continued our conversation, then he started talking Bible verses back to me. And I said, oh, my goodness. And as we left, Jay and I left that, that conversation with this gentleman. And I couldn't help. I said, Lord, now I know I need to use the video because I just witnessed it happen myself. But even more than that, Lord, I think you had me talk to an angel. Because that's what it felt like. See, we don't know who's out there. We don't know who God is putting before us for a purpose. So how dare we judge them by how they look, by what they're wearing. Jesus didn't do it. Our Lord and Savior didn't judge. So who are we to judge? Jesus was never afraid to go into the darkness to shine a light. He was never afraid to get dirty in order to get people clean. In the church today, there are two groups of people. There are secular Christians who are determined to live out in the real world and not be isolated from it. But then what they do is they take on the standards of the world and leave Jesus' standards behind them. And then there are the people who want to live such holy lives that they never go out to the world. They are isolating themselves from it. Neither of those is how Jesus responded. Jesus identified with the outcasts. He identified with the social misfits and the sinners because he wanted to include them in a relationship with God. Jesus didn't write people off the way we do today. Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to judge it, but to save it. So why does the church keep judging people? 
and turn their back on those that need him. You see, in our judgments, we miss the ones that need Jesus. The ones that he purposely sought out. You know what? Jesus never lost sight of his mission. To reach the broken. To reach those that were lost. You know, Jesus was invited to a lot of parties. In Luke chapter 7, he was invited to one by another Pharisee. At this party, it was full of the religious elite. And in walks a prostitute. The word says this. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, kept wiping them with the hair of her head, kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him. And he would know that she's a sinner. Notice the word says that the Pharisee says it to himself. Just because our judgments aren't said out loud doesn't mean they're okay. Because Jesus knew exactly what he was thinking. And he calls him out. Do you ever have the thought, I know some of you have experienced this. You go into a place and you happen to see someone that you know but it's not someone that you're really interested in talking with at that moment. And so you may be, oh, I'm going to go this way, or oh, let's see, hide the paper, let's see if I can hide myself. I'm sure you've all done it. I've done it this week, I have to admit. I went into a coffee shop, and I was in a meeting in my time there, and I knew that I couldn't talk to anyone else because if I talked to anyone else I'd get distracted from the meeting and I'd been waiting to plan this meeting for three weeks already see I can come up with all kinds of excuses for my judgment it was still unacceptable but when I saw the person from afar I turned my chair just a little said I don't have time to talk to that person right now I don't have time and then I felt bad I felt really bad I said, Lord, I am sorry. Forgive me because I'm studying it and I just did it. And then he redeemed it. Because before I left, that particular person saw me from afar and came up and, and I waved and we talked a little bit. I said, Thank you, Lord. Your mercy is, is bigger than anything that I could do on my own. See, Jesus finds our judgmental thoughts just as offensive as the ones that come out of our mouth. Listen to how he responds to the host. Simon, I have something to say to you. And Simon replies, say it, teacher. Turning toward the woman, Jesus said to Simon, do you see 
this woman? Do you see this woman? Do you see the people that Jesus is putting in front of you? Jesus continues, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, little, loves little. Then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus shows great mercy to the prostitute and little mercy to the Pharisee. Not because of who they are, but the condition of their heart is what mattered. Jesus has a heart for every one of us who's making mistakes. That's who he is. Jesus has a heart for all the world's throwaways. And he is seeking them out. No matter what they've done. No matter what we've done. He's seeking us out. Jesus never writes anybody off. That's not his mission. His whole purpose and his mission was to seek out the broken. And restore them back to life. Jesus repeats this same message at the end of Matthew's party. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy. Not offer sacrifice. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous but those that know they are sinners. See, their sacrifices were a sign of their obedience to Torah law, which in turn was a sign of great devotion to God. And Jesus is turning that idea upside down. He's saying, God wants your mercy, not your slavish devotion to the law. The love for God, the love for neighbor, they are the greatest commandments. See, this message of mercy highlights God's love for the undeserving. And the undeserving is every one of us from the beginning of time to the end. None are righteous, not a one. If we look at Jesus' life, he spent time in the temple. He spent time teaching. He spent time in prayer. He spent time with his disciples. But most often, he was found in the streets. He was found in people's homes. He was seeking out the lost. He was seeking out the broken. 
so he could bring the kingdom of God to them. Jesus connected with broken people, and the key to that was love. Jesus loved people. He dearly loved people. He didn't just love them for what they could give him back. He loved them because they were children of God. They were made in the image of the Father. They were the weakest of the weak. They were the lowly, the desperate, the forgotten. They are you and me. That's who he was after. As humans, our tendency is to only give when we're expecting something in return. But Jesus' life asks us the tough questions. He came to give grace and mercy and love. He gave of himself even till death on the cross without expecting anything from us. Even in his final moments on that cross, he gave one last invitation to the condemned thief that was next to him. Today you will be with me in paradise, he told him. Jesus kept company with the broken. He spent time with the lost because he loved them. So what do we do with this Jesus who kept company with the unwanted and the undesirables? What do we do with this Jesus who chases broken people? The same people that we want to look away from. First thing we need to do is realize our own brokenness. Everyone is broken. And praise God that he sits in the company of broken people. Amen. (laughs) We are broken people who need his restoration. We need his life. We're the sinners that he came to save. We need to accept his invitation for relationship. Jesus' purpose in coming was to restore us. No matter what we have done in the past, he holds out his arms. Come to the table, he says. I know your name, he says. See, God is bigger than anything in your past. And he's bigger than anything in your future. In fact, he's already gone ahead of you to prepare the way. He's already there. He's waiting for you. I had the blessing and incredible honor this past week to be a part of a team, the credentialing team for the state of Florida. And the credentialing team is the the final team that says yay or nay to candidates that have gone through the three-year process and are, are coming before Um, ordainment and the stories the testimony of some of these people one gentleman found Jesus in prison we ordained him to be a pastor but 
He found Jesus in prison. What if someone had walked by him? What if someone had not given him that chance? Another gentleman that we had the benefit of meeting, he was in a cult. But someone didn't cast him off. Someone saw him and said, I can help you. And reached out, told him about Jesus. And so for 10 years, he's been finding out about Jesus. And God called him into the ministry. Do we have an amazing, incredible God or what? They all found Jesus through someone like us. Someone that sought out the broken. And the lost, so they could find hope in Jesus. Jesus came to redeem us. He came to restore us. He came to show us what love looks like. That is why Jesus is unique. Let us challenge one another to embrace our own brokenness. So that we can go out and show mercy to others. So we can go out and bring the love and hope of Christ where it's most needed. May we never be afraid to bring the light of Jesus into the dark places. He's already there. He's saying, do you see them? I put them right in your path. Do you see them? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for the love that rained down upon us, Father. We thank you that you pursue us even when we can't see you. Lord, help us to see the broken. Help us to see the lost. Help us to be a light in the dark world. Lord, we need courage. Remind us that you're bigger than all of it. Remind us that you're already in those moments and you've prepared us for them, Father. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his love. We thank you for his mercy and his grace. Because without it, we'd all still be broken. In his holy and precious name we pray. Amen.